0: Welcome to another Three Geeks Conversation. I am honored to be joined by a childhood hero of mine, Mr. Burt Ward. Uh, Burt, thank you for taking the time to talk to us.
1: Hello, citizens.
0: (laughs) I want to start off with your uh, gentle giants. How did you become so impassioned with uh, animals?
1: Well, 27 years ago, uh, my wife and I moved here. We were living uh, at the beach or right near the beach and had a four-story house overlooking the water is fantastic and and uh we have a a daughter and uh here you got a little three-year-old running around on some of these decks that were 40 feet above the ground and we're like oh no 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 i'm not gonna worry like that So we decided to move inland. We moved here uh, to a city called Norco. It's like the last Western town in America where horses have the right of way over cars. (laughs) You drive down the road and instead of the dotted white line, you have the dotted red, white, and blue lines. I mean, this is like, you know, all America type thing. (laughs) And we decided that we'd get a pet for our our daughter to grow up with a dog. And my wife had grown up with Irish wolfhounds. I always wanted to have a great Dane. And we started on a search. And we found out about rescuing. So we rescued a Great Dane. And then we heard of a couple of others that needed rescue and we rescued one more. And uh, then uh, we figured the other ones that we heard about that needed rescue were still in people's homes. They weren't in a shelter where there was an immediate chance of death. So we figured, well, you know, they'll uh, they'll rescue, so they'll find a home for those dogs. And it turns out as we found out later that uh, all the dogs that uh, just about every one of the beautiful Great Danes were put to shell, put to death in shelters because they couldn't find somebody to take it. And I don't know if you guys know anything about rescue, but um, rescues are rescued by breed. So there's a Chihuahua rescue, there's a German Shepherd rescue. Just about every breed of dog has a rescue. But the lady in Southern California that had been rescuing Great Danes herself had died, and so now all the Great Danes in Southern California. had to be given up were going to shelters and being put to death and these i don't know if you've ever enjoyed the company of a great dane but these are true gentle giants i mean that believe it or not the bigger they are the more gentle they are so it was the first week in august of 1994 i said to my wife tracy i said you know we can't let these dogs die i mean they're just so wonderful why don't we just start taking them okay and i'm sure Within a couple of weeks, we'll find somebody else to take them over, you know? But we do our good thing, you know, our good deed. Well, we didn't find anybody. In fact, it's been 27 years and we're still (laughs) looking for that people to take them over. But by the end of August of 1994, you know, within three weeks of when we started, in our home, we had 102 Great Danes, full size. 102, Plus, (laughs) plus 62 puppies under seven weeks of age we never bred a dog but we rescued litters that shelters would call us up and say hey we just got this litter and it's you know not safe in a shelter there's potential for disease can you you know get puppies out of shelters so anyway we had all these dogs and and so we started caring for them and we really started to learn i mean think about it if you have a minimum of 50 dogs in your home for 27 years Believe me, you learn how to care for dogs. Okay, and uh, so, uh, and but one thing we found out was that the giant breeds tend to have shorter lifespans. Great Danes traditionally only live seven to nine years. Mastiffs and Irish Wolfhounds six to eight years. I mean, it's what an injustice to only be on this beautiful planet for such a short period of time. So the ones that we didn't adopt, and we adopted 15,500 as of about three years ago, we stopped counting, but the ones that we didn't adopt, we kept them here. And when they would die, it was so devastating for my wife and I. And we, we said, we got to find a way, if there is a way to help them live longer. So we developed a way of feeding these dogs and by caring for them in a unique way, that average dog lived about three years longer. I mean, and that's pretty spectacular by itself. Great Danes that were living seven to nine years, were living 10 to 12 years. And, 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 and we said, well, geez, is there anything else we could do? So we thought, well, the only thing else is make food. And we thought if we made like the best food and we could afford it for our dogs, the best food there is, um, we could maybe pull out another year. And what we found out when we hired all these nutritionists upset us so much. I'm going to share it with your viewers and listeners that we never got over it. And what we found out is that every pet food company knows something the average person doesn't know, which is the more fat content you put in the food, the hungrier it makes the animal. And, you know, there's a human correlation. About 10 years ago, a movie came out called Supersize Me, where Morgan, uh, um, uh, this gentleman had gone into um, McDonald's every day for a month, gained 55 pounds and nearly died from the high fat content. So we said, well, we're not going to have a high fat content. And, and I don't know if any of you have dogs, but if you do, or cats, Go feel your animal's food when you get home tonight. I mean, rub in your fingers, then put the kibbles down, rub your fingers together, and see if you don't feel that slightly greasy feeling. Well, it's on all the foods we've ever felt. And you say, well, how how bad can that be? Well, it's animal fat. And if you think it this way, uh, would you take a can of bacon grease and pour it down your garbage disposal? Well, of course not, because you know that unlike water that evaporates, animal fat coagulates. And when it hardens, it's like cement. And if you took a can of bacon fat and poured it down your garbage disposal and you let it sit there for four or five hours, you'd be buying a new garbage disposal. So here's my point. When you realize that animal fat will ruin metal, what do you think animal fat sprayed onto the outside of every single kibble, of every single bite your dog takes, what is it doing to your dog's arteries and intestines? Huh? It's killing them. It's shortening their lives dramatically. So by, by not doing that, plus having non-GMO, I mean, most people have heard of non-GMO, meaning no genetically modified organisms in the food. Between those two major things, plus some other smaller ones, we've got dogs living to 27 and a half years, including giant breeds dogs running around like puppies in their 20s and every week we get about 1100 people contacting them contacting us and many of them say the same thing which is I don't understand my dog is having a hard time getting around he's nine years old and I'm watching videos of dogs running around like puppies in their 20s what is it have you discovered the fountain of youth I say no I said believe me I wish I had because I'd be drinking from it But we found a way to help them live longer by making the best food in the world without excessive fat, without excessive protein, using non-genetically modified ingredients like rice. I don't know if you guys know this, but in the United States, 98% of all rice has been genetically modified. 98% we buy from that 2% that isn't genetically modified, which costs us like two arms and a leg because you know, only 2% of the country has. It. So all of these things together, and that's why we came out with our Gentle Giants Dog and Puppy Food, which is a charity for us. We take no salary from this, zero. And our, we our new Gentle Giants Cat and Kitten Food, and we're in Walmart, Target, and stores all across America, online, all the online companies, our own website, gentlegiantsdogfood.com, but this is all about helping animals live longer and I, I gotta tell you one quick thing <laughs> people say to me well, very few but a few people say to me i only have one complaint Bert." i said what's that all you do is about animals why don't you do something for people I say, well, now, wait a minute if i help you keep your dog living an extra five or ten years longer don't you think i've done something for you and they go oh well i never thought of it that way but that's what we do. And it's our charity. We love animals. Don't take any salary from it. And can I tell you, I've never been happier in my life.
0: That is awesome, man. I One of the things that I love doing these interviews with Justin and stuff is when we get to talk to people who are so passionate about something and you could tell that you love what you're doing. You love the dogs and you put your money where your mouth is. because, Like you said, you've adopted over 150 animals at one time. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, 15,527 yeah. years, that's as many as 50 a week.
0: That's a lot of small horses. Oh.
2: Big. So uh, when, after you got done watching 101 Dalmatians for the first time, were you like, I can give you guys some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you, you, you know, it, can I tell you something? It changes your life when you really spend time with animals. I mean, animals are very real, you know, they don't put on airs, they don't, you know, they're, they're not deceptive. You basically see what you get and get what you see. And um, and they're incredibly loving. You know, I mean, I if any of you have pets, cats, dogs, I mean, they they, they live for their pet parent. I mean, that, it's their whole life. You know, you can come home from the worst day in the world and yet that dog is just so happy to see you you know and it's and it and all they want is your love i mean my goodness you know i mean look i have two children two human children and i've had fifteen thousand five hundred dogs okay and about three to five hundred cats that's how we developed our cat food and and let me tell you i love my human children But I will have to say something about pets, okay, of the 15,500 dogs that I've rescued and 500 cats, not one of them has ever asked me to buy them a car.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you just don't understand what they're saying, Bert. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, with your dog food,
0: though, be old enough to drive.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That
0: is awesome. Everybody go check out gentlegiantspetproducts.com. I will have the link all over our social media and in the description down below so click the link check it out i know i am because i as we were researching all this i i myself because i remember when i got the dog i have now i was told you not get kibbles and bits so i had, i buy some expensive food i don't know if it's you know how great it is but i'm definitely going to look into gentle giants well kids, here's what, what we found
1: out it, here's what we found out it doesn't matter in, in my opinion if you buy the cheapest Are the most expensive. Every one of these companies knows the same thing. (laughs) So, you know, you can spend more. I mean, you know, it's like people said, well, did you hear about Rolls Royce coming out with a cigarette? I said, well, I wouldn't smoke it. I said, all it means is that you're going to die in style if you smoke it. You know, I mean, uh, and it's not, you know, what it is, is doing something that's helpful for the animal, pure nutrition, not all these fancy things. And by the way, you know, you go in a store and if you look in a pet store and you look up on the shelves, you see these pet foods that have this enormous amount of protein. Why do they do that? They don't do that because the pet needs it, no. It's because studies have shown that the average person who doesn't know too much goes on a shelf and says, well, wait a minute, this dog food has 24% protein and this one has 28%, but oh my gosh, the one in the middle has 30%. And, and can I tell you something? It short. That shortens dogs' lives as well. And it so it, it you have to really look through the, get rid of the marketing and look what is pure wholesome nutrition for your pet and that's what we offer oh and uh
2: i uh i had a, a big dog a rottweiler named carl um he died a few years back but uh i'm just thinking now like man like to have him around for a few more years would have been would have been just amazing well, and then and then also you know like uh my mom who was, uh, it was it was her dog but uh she was put off from big dogs you know because they have only have the shorter lifespan so it's like i don't want to do that again you know i want a dog that's going to stick around for a little bit longer so you know that means that the door is shut for for for
1: bigger dogs and stuff like that
2: too Um, you're
1: you're absolutely right which means that they end up being put to death more often but you know on our website gentlegiantsdogfood.com we got a um I got an email last august i guess it's now a little over uh, a year and uh, this email was from somebody i didn't know he said uh, dear mr ward he said uh, uh, i've been feeding my german shepherd your food for 15 years he just died but he was 23 years old not 23 years old for a german shepherd that's unheard wonderful. of yeah that's wonderful know? and and so all i'm saying is that you can have wonderful stuff and you can have your pet longer. And we tell everybody, come to our website, read about our special feeding and care program. In other words, we feed dogs differently than other people. They Well, how can that be that different? Oh, it's dramatically different. We elevate their food so they never lean down. They only tilt their head down. We feed our dogs and, and cats five or more times a day, smaller, more frequent meals. People say, well, why would you do that? I said, hey, use the human example. If you were at your doctor's office and you ask your doctor the following question, doctor, am I better off eating one or two big meals a day or four or five smaller meals? What do you think your doctor would say? Well, they're gonna say four or five smaller meals, but you don't. The people don't apply it to an animal. They don't realize that an animal is not designed as well as a human being dogs and cats don't live as long. They're not designed as well. So it's extra important that you go out of your way, smaller, more frequent meals, elevated food and water dishes.
0: Well, I, again, if you guys aren't convinced by the passion behind the man, like just, you can go and you can find all this research online. And I'm definitely checking that out because my dog is like my closest friend and if anything happened to her, I would go nuts. So I will be, I'll be running out to the stores. Like okay, everybody, again, go check out gentlegiantspetproducts.com.
2: But also, sorry. oh, sorry, I just, I just want to get one more thing in real quick. Uh, super awesome, like you said, like you and your wife don't take any salary. Like I really dig that. Like that, just have people do good things just because they're good to do. Uh, like it's really rare, I think, and especially for you know a company like you're saying, like you're in Walmart, you're in Target, like you're you're. You obviously could be out there for the buck, but like it's really cool that you're doing a good thing because
1: it's a good thing to do. Well, you know, but there's also another reason why we we don't take anything, and that's because think of the people out there that have pets. Sure, there's lots of families and they do very well, but there's also some elderly people, people that maybe their kids have grown up and moved out. Maybe they have a spouse or they no longer have a spouse. And maybe that dog is the last thing in the world they have and they're on a pension or a social security they don't have much money and they just love that that's why we do this so that everybody could have a chance for their best friend to live longer and healthier that's why we do this right. yeah, that's super awesome i really appreciate
0: that i, I gotta <laughs> say uh when, growing up with max uh, he was always a batman guy but i was always a fan of robin i that-
2: I I I feel like they come together. It's not like I didn't oh, yeah. like Robin. You both think, well,
1: Batman and Robin, they, they're they the dynamic duo, guys. I'm just saying,
2: like, I,
0: I looked up to Robin, specifically your Robin. I remember back um, in the 80s, it was on from 7 to 8 on Fox. So every night from 7 to 8 at Fox, I was there in front of my television to see how they got captured and then eventually how they got away. And right. you've had the privilege of playing Robin now for 60 years because you came back and played him again in um Supergirl at the very beginning, walking a dog again.
1: There you is- go. I Dick Grayson, yeah. But I also played Robin with a voice in two uh um, movies from Warner Brothers. Oh, uh, they came out in uh, 2017, 2018. Uh Adam West did the voice before he passed away of, of Batman. And in the second movie, um, it was uh Batman versus uh Two Face and uh, here you have adam doing the voice of batman and i played the voice of robin and two-face was played by none other than william shatner so here you had in a movie that the two most iconic television shows represented i mean batman and star trek i mean you know what you know i wish leonard nimoy were around because we would have loved to have him too but what a great thing and shatner was great to work with i mean very sharp very very brilliant man, and it was just so much fun. And he did a great role as you know, as this evil villain. He was fantastic.
0: Oh, I was so excited when I saw. I've, I've been saying for years and years before those came out that I wish they'd go back and revisit some of these things that we love and bring the cast back, and maybe do an animated thing if they they can't do it live action because it'd be fun to watch. And sure enough, <laughs> they for fun to watch, especially the one with Two Face, because yeah. Saturn was around in the '60s, and you could absolutely totally see him portraying Two Face.
1: Yeah, you know, even Adam and I tried to revive ourselves in a TV series about Batman and Robin being older, you know. I mean, there's a lot of humor that could be like, you know, Batman's retired and all of a sudden crime is rampant, kind of like what's happening now in our country, right? And and so they come to him, That Commissioner Gordon says, you know, Batman, I know you haven't done anything in all these years, but we really need your help. So he goes to his closet and he and he there he sees his costume and he's beating the dust off the costume and here they, they you know he calls me and i'm trying to get the tights up over my legs it doesn't fit as well, you know, I mean you could have the most fun thing people would be crying laughing and having so much fun. You guys would...
0: did that with return to the Batcave.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we did that. It was a little different, but it was, yeah. And that was a um, Sunday night movie of the week, uh, either, C- I think it was CBS, you know, mm-hmm. movie of the week. Uh, so, it no, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it was the, that particular movie was based on his book and my book, you know, where they kind of pull parts of each book out and put them together to create uh, that hour and a half movie.
2: I think uh, Batman 66, uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Mashup would be genius. Uh, that, that I think that would just be a lot of fun. Um, what what would you say? Who is the your favorite like off-brand villain that you would have come back like, like if you're doing something like that? I mean, like well, it, it
1: further, Here, let me explain. For me, I was 20 years old when I got the role, turning 21, and every week we had a different star who guest host a guest guest as a villain you know um uh, julie newmar was catwoman caesar romero was a joker frank gorshin was the riddler burgess meredith was a penguin and then you had you know vincent price was egghead and all these famous people and for me i mean i was like a kid in the candy store because every week this was somebody i either saw on television or I watched in a movie theater. I mean, these were all, you know, very recognizable to me. And so I I got a kick out of all of them. And then, you know, Batman became the number one. Oh, let's see here. Oh, upgraded here. Okay, the movie, (laughs) Batman became the number one and number two television show in the entire world. And every actor and actress wanted to be on our show. And of course there wasn't enough roles, That's when they created that scene of Batman and Robin, you know, climbing up the outside of the building and then a window would open and you'd have a different celebrity every week. So that added one more celebrity each week. And the very first one was none other than Sammy Davis Jr. Okay, then we had like oh Jerry Lewis, Don Ho, uh, you know, Colonel Clink, Lurch, Betty White. I mean, Dick Clark, we had like everybody that was prominent, you know. Uh, got a chance to to open the window and you know have some dialogue with Batman and Robin.
0: Is Betty White eating gentle giants? Because she's doing so well. <laughs> I love Betty White.
1: Yeah, you know, she yeah she's very impressive, very very impressive.
0: Uh, but um, seriously, back um, how, how was Sammy Davis Jr.? What was he like?
1: Uh, incredible. Just I mean, he was what she, he was exactly as you would see him on television very nice very friendly every one of these stars i was so impressed with how i mean dignified in a very real way they were and how 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 they 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 took acting is in such a serious way and yet they loved our show because our show was one of the only shows that they ever got to be as big you know the character that they were life you know the jokers laugh or the riddlers laugh or the the all the kind of you know that these heinous villains it's so much bigger than life and you know kids our audience was the entire spectrum of people children love batman for the hero worship okay adults loved our show for the nostalgia of the comic book they read and at the time in the 60s the hardest audience to get were teenagers and college kids, and the reason why that was a rebellious period, where everyone to be out cruising the uh, you know the the outdoor drive-through restaurant on a Saturday night or Friday night, and and we pull those kids in by the fact that we had the double meanings and the the innuendo and uh, the uh, campy style, you know, and all of that. And uh, I heard from people at the time that like in the colleges they would get to a a big dorm area or cafeteria an hour and a half in advance just to get a seat to be able to watch Batman. It was was phenomenal. I mean, women had Batman hairdos. I mean, it was just like, you just almost can't believe. And I will tell you this, you might find interesting. The opening night of Batman, had a Nielsen rating of a 55 share. And what that meant was that of all the televisions on in North America, that included Mexico, U.S. and Canada, 55% were watching Batman. And all the other regional local stations and even the other two networks shared the other 45%. It was bigger than any a Super Bowl has ever been in terms of an audience, and it, you know, and it just at that point, you know, it just blew out all across the world. We we're a four hundred countries, Batman. So,
2: I, you get this role, you're, you're, you know, young twenty something guy, uh, and now you're being watched all over the world. Like, how did that, you know, like when did it hit you? You know, it's like holy crap, like I'm, I'm in this thing. Like when, when,
1: and then how did it affect you? You know, it didn't affect me as much as you might have thought, and I'll tell you why. Because I could put on that costume and go out and, I mean, let me tell you something, at these autograph things or, I mean, where Adam and I would, during the, when we first launched the first Batman movie, we went to New York and did 33 out of 36 theaters in three days. The crap We had 17 police in the bus, and 200 police at each theater, and things were coming down. I mean, you just can't believe the craziness. But I wore a costume, and it's almost like I don't know how to say it. Looking through that mask is almost like looking at a television set. I was, you know, I was in this costume, so I'm kind of like you know, a, 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 a diver in a, in, a, in, a, in a suit, you know, <laughs> an iron helmet, everything, watching stuff. So, I mean, I could go out and make an appearance where people literally would, would almost get into a fight over getting a paper drinking cup that i have been drinking out of and stand in line for five hours to get an autograph. And yet, when I would take a break and change out of the costume and go right out among the same people that I had seen 15 minutes before, nobody recognized me i can i mean that's really cool it's almost like being the invisible man i mean it was really really cool but at the same time it grounded me in that it was the character that people were crazy about it wasn't me it was the character and so as a result i always kind of maintained i think a very healthy attitude towards it um and also you know people think it's so glamorous to to work in making a movie. Well, let me tell you what it was for me. When I would come to work and when I got the role, and by the way, there were 1,100 young actors that interviewed for the part of Robin, 1,100. And uh, when I got the role, the executive producer William Dozier said to me, Bert, would you like to know why we selected you to play Robin? I said, yes, sir, I would. And he said, because in our mind, Forgetting television, if there really was a rock, i mean, like the real thing—you personally would be it. So we don't want you to quote act; we want you to be yourself and be enthusiastic. And that's exactly what I did for 120 episodes. Okay, and and because I just you know, and, and so and when I like do these Batman movies, the you know a few years ago, they say, "Oh, Bert, how hard was it for you to recreate the role?" Well, it's not hard at all <laughs> being myself, you know, but but coming back to what it's like to to work and making a film, I would go to work and I was 20 years old going on. Twenty one. Adam West was uh, the youngest person on the set next to me. He was thirty seven. And then you had the crew of the, you know, some of the finest people in the business, the best cameramen and the best lighting people. These guys are all in their 50s and 60s. Right, so I'm like you know, my childhood, so to speak, was kind of limited. And and you go on a set, and you wait and you wait. The average wait time between shots is 45 minutes. 45 minutes between shots, and then you work for 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds and wait 45 minutes, and you you think well, people would say to me all the time, well, Bert, just bring a, a good book and you know, and just you know, read your book all day long. Well, something happens when you're on a set that you never get to do that, even though you're always waiting. It's like, I could, you know, do a shot my 30 seconds and I go sit down and I pick up this book. Oh, Bert, we need to check your makeup. Can you come on over here? Oh, Bert, the wardrobe guys want to put a different t-shirt. Oh, Bert, this, oh, you know, you never have any peace. The only peace and quiet was when I was filming. Everything else is like, oh my gosh, you're pulled in all these different directions. You know so i i don't think i read an entire page of a book in three and a half years of filming because you never have any peace
0: I, I i could listen to you tell tell me stories all day like it's, it's i gotta ask did aunt harriet ever figure it out
1: and <laughs> let me let me tell you about madge blake madge blake played aunt harriet she was one of the sweetest ladies I've ever met. I mean, just a true sweetheart. But she was very nervous. A very, very nervous person. And I had something happen on the set that I really was like one of these learning lessons, you know, I was standing next to her. And there's supposed to be some dialogue. And she says something, Adam says something, and then I'm supposed to talk and cross over to where, you know, Bruce Wayne is. Right? Well, I stood next to her and I could just feel her nervousness when they would go to film, right? You could just feel it, you know? And and she's kind of fidgeting and this and that. So here comes the scene. And just before I start to talk, she grabs my wrist. Okay, like holding on. And there's no way I could move. I mean, she had a a death grip on me. There's no way. And they say, cut, cut, Bert, you were supposed to cross on your line. What's the matter? You know something? such a sweet little old lady I could not say oh well she kind of held me and no I just took it like geez I'm sorry but then what did I do I <laughs> keep my arms behind my back I'd stay an extra foot away because you could just tell that she was getting more and more nervous you know <laughs> as they're getting ready to roll that camera man she would have gotten a hold of me again I wouldn't be in more trouble but but that was just kind of a, a scene you know kind of a something you'd never would notice. But things that actually happen on the set that are so much different than what you might imagine.
0: So do you think the mask helped you with like the performance of it? Did you ever feel nervous on set? Like that that kind of brought a question out.
1: No, no. I no. Can I tell you something? That was like the only piece I had. (laughs) I mean, you know, and, and it was just, it was, it was so easy. I mean, just think if you have something to say. And you're not having to say it as some character or some monster or some whatever, you're just saying it yourself. You know, and, and let me give you an example of what it meant to do something where you were in a way playing your own personality. In the very first uh, um, um, episode w- with the Riddler, uh, Batman and Robin um, are in the Batmobile. We believe that the uh, Riddler is gonna pull a heist at a museum and we pull up outside what looks like a warehouse, and you know we climb up the wall to this and that. But when we pulled up, okay, the, the crew had their camera on my side of the batmobile, and so they they expected me to open the door and get out, get out. Well, I didn't do that because, hey, I didn't feel like it. I would if most of the time I jumped over the door, but in up in the seat stood on the door and walked to the back on top of the fin and then jumped off right and the director said cut cut what are you doing bert you know i said what do you mean i just did you know i did what was right and and he thought for a minute his name was bob butler by the way he he thought for a minute he says you know that is really creative all right get get the get the plywood lay down the track we're gonna you know dolly with him and it took him a half an hour, sure enough. And, and then we did that scene that way. But do you know something? And 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 then later on, here, here's something very interesting. <clears throat> About a year and a half ago, I got my star on Hollywood Boulevard, and which is a great honor, oh, fantastic. And it's right next to Adams or right across, because on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, I don't know if you know this, but you, if you what they do is every other one faces the other way. So people that are walking east on Hollywood Boulevard, they see the stars name facing them and then there's one facing the other and then the next one faces them, so that everybody, no matter what direction you go gets to see you know the, those stars. But, but right after that event, which was just incredible, it, it is customary for the celebrity. Who receives the award to throw kind of a party, uh, you know, thanking people uh, that you know, and and people in the industry and the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce and you know all that kind of stuff. So I threw a little gathering around the corner because we were right on Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Guinness Museum of World Records. I mean, you couldn't have found a better place. But right around the corner is the famous Hollywood Museum. So I threw this event there and unexpectedly, I mean, although I laid out, found out it was was intentional, Robert Butler, the director of the pilot episode, okay, the first director I ever worked with, came to the event and I just went nuts and I hugged him and I couldn't believe it, it'd been 55 years, all right? and he told to give you a little inside scoop he says Bert I have a story to tell you I said okay and I said yeah he says before we started working the first day on the set the executive producer came over to me and said we just hired this young kid to play Robin and you know I mean he, he seems right for everything but I don't know. He's never worked with a director before. I don't know, you know, I want you to go talk to him and see if you can work with him, or see if there's going to be a problem. Okay. And I remember he came over to me and said, can I speak to you for a few minutes? They said, sure, uh, sir. You know, I mean, and, and I was very, I was always brought up to be very respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. That kind of thing. And I remember he asked me just some simple questions or whatever it was. I don't remember the questions, but But, and then I I never thought of it again until 55 years later, he said, I went back to the executive producer and the executive producer said, well, what do you think of him? Do you think you could direct him? He says, let me tell you something. This guy is such a natural. When something is a natural don't with it, leave it alone because what he does is going to be far better than I ever could direct him to do. And what a great, and I was so blown away because when I started thinking about it, yeah, I never told him i was going to walk on the side of the edge of the car i never told him when i would jump out of this or do this and they would stop and they would go back and film it because it was so um original and so unrehearsed and 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 there's something about and like adam and my relationship i gotta tell you something adam and i had a chemistry i mean i adored the man we we got along so well which is traditionally not true because there's a lot of competition and like who's the big star and all that's stuff. no no adam and i i met him at the screen test he and i screen tested together i met him 15 minutes before i screen tested and they said uh bert i want you to meet the